Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And I'm just feeling a little bit excited. I'm a little bit jacked up. I was thinking about this just before we started recording, Frank. Our first episode together that me and you did was just before opening night, which was in around the middle of October. So it's been taken about 10 months for us to get to game one of the playoffs. Even the NBA return, it's been exciting. I've been excited to watch the Bucks play. It's been fun to see Giannis out there doing his thing again. But ultimately, the whole time I was like, okay, let's move on. Let's get to the stuff that we've really been waiting for, the, the payoff. We want the payoff here. And as we're recording here, we are less than 48 hours away from game one. And regardless of the matchup, regardless of what we hope is going to happen and whether or not you have your eyes further ahead, I cannot wait for game one. Yeah, I mean, you know, there was always sort of the caveat of everything happening in the bubble as you know especially for the bucks that well you know these games don't really mean mean a lot right bucks pretty much had their seed locked up um so it was really about trying to get into a rhythm and obviously i think you know most bucks fans felt like we we would have liked to see more rhythm from the bucks uh in the in the seeding games than we saw and um obviously the the last few games were made all the more challenging just by uh, rest slash Giannis suspensions and ejections and things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, a pretty, you know, by Buck standard, pretty unfulfilling uh, seating uh, uh, period, seating games. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, it's all been building to this, uh, you know, since really uh, when they were bounced uh, in the East Finals a year ago, right? It was, you know, I think we entered last season feeling like, yeah, yeah, of course you want the Bucks to dominate the regular season and look great and all those other things, but um, it really is at this point, you know, all about going for a championship, going for a title, trying to progress at a minimum further than they did last year when obviously they fell short of the finals. So, um, yes, now the real journey begins, and obviously uh, you look at the Bucks' journey relative to, you know, for instance, if they were in the Western Conference, and obviously – you know, not to overlook the magic or to diminish, you know, the threat that they might be, but uh, certainly uh, the Bucks and Raptors sitting very pretty relative to, uh, you know, for instance, the Clippers and Lakers uh, who are facing, I would say, much more dangerous slash scary teams in their first round series as the one and two seeds out West. But um, obviously you can't play, you know, you can't win the Eastern Conference or the finals without first winning the first round. <laughs> and so obviously, um, you know, you want the Bucks to be focused. You want the Bucks also to, I think, again, you know, a year ago, we weren't looking at this as, as much of a tune-up as we are now. And I think that's probably, um, you know, I, I think of Giannis' comments, which were more more broadly, that weren't just intended for the first round, but, you know, this idea of it's about us, right? And it's about what we can do and focusing on us. And that's something that we've heard a lot from the Bucks it's probably over the past year, you know, this idea of belief in themselves and that they can sort of control their own destiny. And of course, baked into that, maybe you'd 
worried a little bit like, okay, does that mean they're not going to adjust or adapt when they, when they need to? Uh, but obviously this first round series is one where they probably don't need to be doing a lot of things different from what they normally do. Because I think in a series like this against a team, that's obviously you're much better than, um, you know, you should be able to more or less play your game and that should be enough. But again, we haven't seen probably as much of that uh, consistency as we wanted to over the past two weeks. So I think there's three areas you can find yourself as uh, as a Bucks fan sitting in right now. And I think I've seen uh, right across these three on Twitter the last week or so. And I, I'm curious to know at the end of the seeding games prior to game one, we've spoke about it a little bit, but where exactly you sit. So you can either be uh, full-scale stressed out about what you saw in the seeding games you can just be in the middle somewhere and think, well, who knows? I guess we're about to find out. Or three, I think you can really not care what you saw in the seeding games and have no belief that that is going to carry over into the postseason. Where would you say you lie on that scale? Uh, probably in the middle group. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, just uh, on the one hand, um, you know, I think the what the Bucks did over the course of the season, I think still is, you know, the... I, I mean, it's sort of these things, right? We've talked about this, that kind of what happens late in seasons typically is not really nearly as indicative of what a team is versus what they were early in the season, actually, um, which may be a little counterintuitive, but sort of this idea that I think even great teams tend to coast a little bit towards the end of a season. Um, but that said, this is obviously not a normal season and having essentially a, a full off season between you know, the March suspension of play and coming back to these bubble games, I think raises obvious questions about just, you know, uh, how much can we rely on what we saw before the break? Um, so obviously, yeah, I mean, we didn't see the Bucks play at a consistently high level that we're used to seeing from them in the bubble. Um, so uh, of course, I mean, I don't know what that means. I don't think any of us know exactly what that means because we've never seen a season like this. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I would definitely feel better if we saw them, I mean, and again, it's it's sort of the irony, right? Like if they close out those Mavs and the Mav and Mavs and Rockets games, which they should have, right? Literally like, you know, 90 seconds of play in both of those games basically were the deciding factors between, you know, uh, a, a decent, a comfortable win against a, a good team and obviously losing, is, which is what happened. Um, then I'm sure we probably feel very different about the seeding games. But, you know, uh, again, it is what it is. And, um, you know, it's not like those 90 seconds were the only, uh, issues that we saw, right. We saw sloppiness and turnovers throughout. We saw, uh, especially against some of the like teams like the Rockets who, you know, there's really only one team like the Rockets, but I think we saw obviously lots of three point shots from opponents, um, teams, you know, as much as that maybe teams aren't, um, game planning the bucks in the regular season so much. I think we did see teams really trying to exploit the things they can do against the Bucks, and obviously I don't know if that was like the reason why the Bucks necessarily lost some of those games but um it certainly probably was was a contributing factor so um so yeah I mean I want to see I want to see the team that we saw you know from uh October through February let's say um and uh so they're lucky in that they can kind of use this a bit as a uh, as a warm-up as a tune-up for the East semis which obviously everyone fully expects them to get to um so I'm not freaking out about it because ultimately they're seem to be healthy Giannis, chris brooke in particular seem to be playing at a high level um i have some concerns about i think Bledsoe and some of the bench guys uh in their rhythm given that we didn't really see a lot of it for, during the seeding games but um you know again they can count themselves a little bit lucky in that they have some time 
to kind of get up to speed here uh, in this in this first round. And and obviously, I'm I'm also just curious because I mean there is no home court, so it's just a very atypical. I mean, it's literally a total one-off in the sense that you know normally this would mean coming into five serve for the Magic and having to win you know at least one game there, and instead, obviously, uh, you know, ironically, we're in Orlando of all places, so. Um, it's, uh, it's just obviously going to be just a different feel than, than anything we're used to for that reason as well, which we're getting used to maybe a little bit, but obviously at a fundamental level, it's, it's still, we're, we're in a very strange place still. Okay, Frank, I just want to jump in now and give a note about our friends over at DoorDash. Between never-ending laundry cycles and incoming emails, you've got plenty on your to-do list. Give yourself one less thing to worry about and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. I can tell you right now, Frank, during this time where people are working from home, businesses aren't operating the way they usually are. There's never been a better time to use a place like DoorDash. I want to keep supporting local and you can do so by using the great service that DoorDash gives. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left right at your door. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNBA. That's $5 off and zero delivery freeze on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter Locked On NBA. Don't forget, that's Locked On NBA for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Of course, if you missed over the weekend, we had a, a special episode, a little crossover with Locked On Magic uh, there, and you can catch up. With that episode, if you did miss it, there was a lot of talk from the Magic perspective uh, with the Lockdown Magic host that, uh, let's be honest, has watched a lot more of that team through the season than we have. I think, and, and I've mentioned these numbers before, similar numbers with Brooke and Giannis and, and Brooke, certainly in particular, there were some numbers I tweeted out. But I did this over the weekend because I, I think, and we always talk about lineup data and how difficult it is and small samples and what it all means. But I, I think defensively, certainly, there's been concerns with the Bucks. We have to acknowledge they've used different lineups, multiple different lineups, and certainly extended periods of all bench lineups, which uh, certainly you are, none of us are a fan of, let's be honest. Uh, but with Brooke, Giannis, and Chris on the floor in 60 minutes in the seeding games, their defensive rating was 96.9, net was plus 28.2. So those are the three guys that are your three best players. Add in Eric Bledsoe there, obviously, as well. That's your three best players, guys, who are going to be on the floor at the end of the game. And the four games that they actually played were against Boston, Houston, Miami, and Dallas. So four really good teams, four really good offensive teams, and the defense was uh, actually better than regular season levels. Now, again, of course, there's all sorts of sample size issues there, but if you are a Bucs fan that's stressing out, that, that does tell you that the defense was actually pretty good against high-quality opposition when the best three players were on the floor. So uh, I think it's, it's kind of funny to look at the Bucs record in the seeding games, and you pointed it out, the losses against... Houston and Dallas, uh, again, both of those games are up by seven plus points with only three minutes to go. So if you just simply get one bucket, uh, then you win those games. And then that would mean that you're finishing the seeding games with the only games you lost were Brooklyn, 
uh, where we know whatever the, the, the starters played half a game. Giannis played 12 minutes, I think. Toronto and Memphis that Giannis didn't play anyway. And then I think you're heading into the playoffs with a completely different mindset. So it was a strange week or two uh, down there in the bubble. But I want to talk about Bledsoe a little bit because the Magic, we, we talk about the Bucks' health and they come into this series, you know, to this point, as far as we know, with a clean bill of health, but the Magic are not in that situation. We know Mo Bamba is out uh, and, and there's some concern there. I mean, he's having some COVID-related issues and just reading what Steve Clifford had to say, Magic coach Steve Clifford, uh, Mo Bamba is just hasn't been able to get his conditioning back and they're not really sure why. They're not really sure what is causing this, but they've had to send him out to get some a further evaluation. And, and this is something that we spoke about with Eric Bledsoe, with obviously with Pat Connaughton. Uh, Pat's looked pretty good. Bledsoe, his on-court play hasn't got back to where we would like it to be. But the fact that he's been able to play extended minutes, uh, he's saying that he feels fine. He doesn't feel winded. His conditioning is in a pretty good place. I mean, geez, we, we spoke about the virus. I mean, you just don't know how this is going to affect you. And clearly, that's pretty scary for Mo Bamba and you, obviously... Combine that with the fact Jonathan Isaac is out of this series. Aaron Gordon is uncertain for game one. He's dealing with a hamstring injury. I mean, the matchup is already ugly. But this this uh, injury uh, list does not help Orlando at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I wouldn't have expected Bomba to probably be much of a factor regardless. Sure. But I think you look at the guys that would have been uh, or, or that would be the obvious defenders of Giannis, right? Um, you know, Isaac and Gordon primarily... Uh, those guys, their toolkits defensively, I think you look at and say, yeah, those are, those are, you know, on paper. And from what we've seen, you know, I know the stats have been floating around of Giannis was eight out of 21 individually against Gordon this season, which, mm-hmm. you know, might be the, the bam out of bio kiss of death, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, when, when we see that, but, um, certainly, you know, losing one of those guys is a big deal, losing Isaac and he was having obviously a really nice season here. Um, and, and we saw him block a bunch of shots uh, in some of the games against the Bucks earlier this season so uh you know not if you have both those guys you know hey you feel like at least we can you know keep you honest kind of honest uh, at least a little bit um especially when you know your your center and booch is is obviously not a, a traditional rim protector in the way that obviously you'd, you'd like to have against Giannis. so um losing that security blanket of isaac uh is, is obviously a big blow and obviously his developing offensive game as well um, and then Gordon having his hamstring issue and, you know, maybe he plays on Monday or Tuesday, maybe he doesn't, um, obviously that would be a big blow if he doesn't play, but, um, you know, Gordon also, we were talking before the pod and he's really struggled against the bucks offensively this season. And, um, he's a guy that I think, you know, uh, is kind of in that Giannis group of, um, you know, he puts up a three, you say, good luck. Uh, he shot 31% this year down from the past couple seasons when he was at least a little more respectable. And, um, you know, the upside of Isaac being out is that Gordon then be, can become more of a, a full-time four, which, you know, it feels like his career has been <laughs> marred by being forced to play the three and yeah. act like he can do things that threes do. And that's really not what he does. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think certainly from the Giannis perspective, um, no Isaac, uh, you know, Alfaro Camino is on this team too, technically. He barely played this year, but he's another guy that if everyone were healthy for the Magic, you would look at and say, like, okay, well, he can, you know, hopefully give you a, a, an honest night's work, throw in another body at, at Giannis, but but he's been uh, out with a knee injury as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, th- there are definitely, uh, you know, some some concerns there with the injuries, like, as you mentioned, for, for Orlando and um, obviously that's on top of, you know, just the, the fact that obviously this is just not, not as good a team as, 
as the magic. And, you know, obviously Evan Fournier has been felt like a Bucks killer. Terrence Ross has felt like a Bucks killer with their three point shooting. Uh, Fournier, obviously a much more well-rounded game than, than Ross, who's more of that just three point assassin. But, um, you know, aside from those guys, not a lot of shooting on this team. Uh, you know, you look at, especially our, uh, Markel Fultz and our old friend, Michael Carter Williams, obviously, uh, you know, anytime you're going to play guards like those two guys uh, who struggle to stretch the floor and, and, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to be very curious to see just how the Bucks, you know, play those guys. I mean, just having like visions of, you know, Bledsoe and others just standing way, yeah, <laughs> way off yeah, the ball exactly. and, and, or, or potentially putting, you know, do you put, do, are those guys going to defend, be defended by centers at some point or Giannis at some point and just basically told, you know, whatever, do what you want. Um, I think that that's obviously a dynamic that is is very hard when you're playing the Bucks to be playing point guards that can't shoot, um, just because it, it really lets the Bucks kind of you know lean into that rim protection game even more than they normally do. Uh, and I think again, if you're going to beat the Bucks, I feel like it really starts with having shooting at at you know at least four positions, if not five. And obviously, that's something that the the Magic really don't don't have uh, going in their favor right now. No question. We can talk defensively about how they'll stop the Bucks, but I, I, I think you know, the big question for mine in this series is how the hell are Orlando going to score? And yeah, the four games this year, they topped 100 points twice, but it was 101 points on 100. And you know, to beat the Bucks, I, I think you're going to need to score 120. And I, I think if Orlando wins a game in this series, you're going to have one of those, uh, as our friend uh, Dean Maniad always uh, places on Twitter, the double outlier. I think that's the only way they win a game. And there's three guys that, that you pointed to that you need to be concerned about with three-point shooting with Ross, uh, Augustine, and also Fournier. Gordon and Vucevic are going to be really interesting to me. The Magic rank 19th for three-point attempts per game this season at 32 a game. Aaron Gordon, as you pointed to, he's only shooting around 30%. But against the Bucks this year, his three-point attempts went from 3.8 on the season up to 5.3 against the Bucks. You're going to see that again. Vucevic, who is, he's he's a fine three-point shooter, 33%, below average, but his three-point attempts skyrocketed to 6.7 per game, uh, up against 4.7 during the season. So both of those guys, we know that they're going to have to shoot because the the Magic don't score uh, in the paint either. They're ranked 25th for points in the paint and they're coming up against the best paint defense in the league. Vucevic will shoot those mid-rangers, but... They're going to be the shots that the Bucks are going to say, yeah, go for it, fellas. You want to pull up and shoot a mid-range? Fine. We really don't care. We don't care. This is literally what we want you to do. So the question for mine is how the Magic are going to be able to score. I think their best bet is we saw the Bucks during the bubble play be pretty sloppy and turn the ball over. So can the Magic, who are still kind of a scrappy defensive team, are they going to be able to create turnovers if the Bucks are lazy with the ball and create transition opportunities and fast break points? I, honestly, uh, outside of shooting 50% from three and knocking down 20 plus three, that's the only other way I can see them scoring. If this turns into a half-court scrap, I think they're in big trouble. Well, Frank, I, I, I've complained about this a lot. It, literally everyone listening to this podcast knows what time these games start in Australia. Three o'clock in the morning. It's going to be early. I'm going to be chasing energy. Maybe I need to go to our friends at Built Bar to secure that energy because we know that Built Bar is improved and better than ever with 18 amazing flavors, including the nut and, of course, the non-nut flavors. The six new flavors that they have include caramel brownie, cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. They, of course, have the 12 original flavors that include German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, 
you guys probably know them all by now, but we know that Built Bars are healthy. They're great for the health-conscious guy, lose and maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for those that are on the keto diet. Of course, we always have a great offer for you. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. And while supplies last, the free cooler with your purchase is still available for now. While supplies last, check that out at BuiltBar.com. Yeah, and they've been a pretty good defensive team. I think last yeah. year, you know, there I mean, people might remember, you know, they had, I think they were like the first or second best defense in the second half of the season, something like that. They had a really good second half of the season defensively, and they had that one awesome defensive performance against the Bucks. I think it was a game that Giannis actually missed, but they really beat the crap out of the Bucks in Milwaukee that one game last year. Um, but obviously this year been a different story. Haven't really been able to figure out the Bucks um, and their defense slightly worse this year than last year. I think we didn't quite see that breakthrough. They did not become maybe the elite defense that that certainly Steve Clifford might have been been hoping for them to be, which obviously is doubly important just given some of the limitations they have offensively and just the lack of, of shooting on this team, which, you know, is a limiting it's going to be a limiting factor for them in, in in any NBA game, obviously, when you don't have that type of shooting. But then on top of that, playing a team like the Bucks, which uh, you know, the, the obvious way to beat them is, is by, you know, accepting that, that it's easier to get threes than, than easy buckets, uh, in the paint. And, uh, obviously, you know, it's, it's not a good recipe for the box. It's, it's funny, you know, I think the nets and, and the magic, obviously being the bottom two seeds in the East, um, you know, the, the nets are, are really short on guys. I mean, their, their injury list is, is even, you know, far, far more, uh, uh, you know, as far more uh, big names on it than uh, the magic at this point. But um, with the, the Nets, as we saw in that, that seeding game, uh, I mean, they're going to get up and down the floor and shoot threes, and they're just going to, you know, see if they can outlier their way into victories, which is certainly, I'd say, probably scarier in a lot of ways, even yeah. if they may not have the talent level of the magic actually right now. Um, but just from a matchup perspective, I think, you know, again, probably the magic just yeah, just because they don't play that way and they don't have that type um, you know, they don't, they're not going to go super small and just shoot lots of threes on you. Typically. Um, it's, uh, it's probably just doesn't lend itself as well to, uh, to the matchup with the box. But, um, you know, again, I don't think, you know, it's not to say they're going to roll over, you know, we saw last year, uh, you know, they shocked the Raptors in game mm-hmm. one of, of that first round series. Augustine had a huge game, um, hit a big shot, uh, to put the magic up one, nothing in that series. And, um, you know, they were frisky, uh, against the Raptors. And I think certainly they can do that again here. And especially if the Bucks are sloppy, you know, I think if you just think about, um, if the Raptor, if the magic can, can make threes, uh, at a, at a, you know, at least a, in a, in a, in, in a couple games, they can have some big shooting nights, um, and force the Bucks to play half court and not be able to transition as much. And then hope that the Bucks don't shoot those double outlier games, um, that obviously would would be kind of the recipe, and then just you know hope that the Bucks are kind of continue to not be sharp with their passing and turnovers and, and some of those things that we saw in the bubble, which maybe weren't hallmarks of the team during the regular season as far as the sloppiness. But obviously, um, we saw a fair bit of that in the scrimmages as well as in uh, in the seeding game. So um, yeah, I don't I don't think it's any you know. <laughs> It's, you don't have to do a deep dive to sort of know what it takes yeah. to beat the Bucks, but that doesn't mean that, you know, you can just go out and do it, right? Um, although James Ennis 
uh, from his comments, uh, seems to think that, uh, you know, it's going to be scary for the Bucks or whatever his comment was. Uh, but uh, James Ennis also, I think, was uh, when he was on the Sixers, I think he also said that, you know, it was going to be a cakewalk for the Sixers to to get to the finals with uh, with Kawhi gone. So James Ennis, a long history of uh, talking a big game uh, and overlooking the Bucks, but maybe not so much in terms of results. Yeah, former Perth Wildcat, uh, James Ennis. And I thought, I thought it was a pretty good move by the Sixers. They realized that the season was going down the toilet. So at the uh, trade deadline, they said, listen, let's cut this James Ennis guy because this quote is not going to look good when it gets pulled up in the postseason. If he's not on the roster, then maybe no one will notice. And maybe now they won't notice because now he's saying the same thing about the Bucks. And I had to laugh. Uh, Philip Rossman Reich, the host of Locked On Magic, called him out straight away on an episode the other day and said, listen, James, uh, you're shooting 26% from three uh, this season. So perhaps uh, talking about how scary it's going to be from the Bucks when you're shooting threes is yeah, maybe, maybe you're not the right guy to be, to be making that call, uh, which uh, yeah, made some sense to me. The only thing I'll say about the Nets, if you're comparing Nets and the Magic in terms of series, I, I don't think the Bucks would have anything to fear either way, but Another reason why the Nets are a little bit scary is because they do have uh, Karis LeVert who can break you down in the half court. I mean, the Magic don't have anyone. Maybe it's Markel Fultz who's going to be interesting to see in this series because I think from a Bucks point of view, we've spent a lot of time looking at the Magic here. But if things you want to get out of this series, for mine, it's Eric Bledsoe. Have some big games. And yeah, let's be honest, you're a guy that does at times like to physically assert yourself, get to the free throw line, be aggressive, get into the paint. Marco Fultz looks like a pretty damn nice matchup for Eric Bledsoe to run himself into some form. And uh, knowing that Jonathan Isaac isn't there at the rim to swat those shots away, as we know he does so effectively. So if there's something I want to take from this series from the Bucs, uh, yes, obviously make sure you win the games. But Eric Bledsoe, let's see if he can take advantage of that matchup and uh, have a couple of uh, big games. You'd like to see him get 20-plus points in one or two of these. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, I mean, you know, it's I, I hate to make the joke right, but Bledsoe being in postseason form uh, in, the, in the seeding games was... was if you're going to talk about any individual player, that was probably the, the biggest concern to me. I mean, Dante was probably the other guy, uh, although he at least had uh, looked a little bit better um, in that last game. Uh, and, you know, Bledsoe had had a couple of decent games um, in, in kind of the middle there, but, uh, you know, nothing, it just never, never had that like kind of signature kind of Bledsoe type game. I mean, you know, he's a guy we've seen score 20 plus points per game pretty regularly. Um, and we obviously just have not seen that uh, since since he came back, and, and obviously he's facing a different you know adjustment just coming back um, without having the benefit of you know full full camp and scrimmages and all that due to due to the coronavirus stuff. So um, so yeah, I mean again, it, uh, like it's not like on individual possessions like you couldn't see uh, the athleticism or you know some of the defensive effort stuff. Like I mean, Bledsoe's still in there, but obviously. Uh, he's a guy that, um, you know, we've seen as well, even when he's physically fine, um, the mental stuff obviously is a concern. And, uh, and I, again, I don't think that was an issue necessarily in the seeding games, but now that we're getting to the playoffs, you just worry that, you know, is, is that old Eric Bledsoe, those old Eric Bledsoe issues, are those going to come, come back? And, you know, he had a pretty good series against the Pistons in the first round last year. So mm-hmm. um, it's not like, you know, he's just uniformly always bad in every playoff series or something like that, but uh, and I mean, he, you know, he was part of that, that defense that really locked up Kyrie in the second round too. So um, hopefully we see that type of defense and we see uh, some of that like Pistons explosive offense that we saw from him last year 
um, because yeah, we, you know, you're going to need Bledsoe to obviously be better than he was, uh, especially during the latter runs that we saw last year. I will say, I, I do feel really bad for him. I mean, for, for a guy that it's, it's what people want to talk about and even jumping in on the zoom calls with uh, Bud and different bucks players, it's, it's rare that you get through a zoom call without someone asking about Bledsoe in the playoffs. And, you know, it would have been the case coming in either way, but now he's had this, uh, the, the sort of the battle with the virus, had to get through the virus and have that month off. I mean, it just it just sucks for him because, you know, we don't actually know what impact that is having in, to, you know, to him uh, inside, and he's not going to use it as an excuse, and no one is. But uh, I guess we'll just never know, and maybe I'm making an excuse for him right now, and I shouldn't be doing that. I'm not sure. But it, it's just, it's really unfortunate timing for him. But Frank, we're not going to speak again until after game one. Hopefully by that point, uh, the Bucks have a 1-0 lead and everything is fine. But is there anything final, uh, any final comments, any final takes you want to throw out there about this uh, Bucks Magic series? Obviously, as we go along, we'll be able to pick this one apart. No, I mean, uh, I, you know, playoff games on neutral sites. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I feel like I was kind of getting used to the neutral site games in the bubble, but it's Again, it's, it is just such a, a strange dynamic now that we're going to have all these playoff games just happening, you know, one game from the next. And obviously they're, they're going to, they, you know, they try to make them feel kind of like home games with the virtual fans and the, uh, you know, the, the PA announcer not getting excited for the, for the road team and, <laughs> and some of that stuff. But um, obviously, yeah, the dynamic is going to be very different. And um, I'm going to be curious to see how the players continue to react to it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you can talk about it obviously during the seeding games, but now that we're in the playoffs and everything really matters, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what, what, what kind of, what, what the dynamic is like. Cause it, it does feel like every game is a toss up to some extent, you know, but that's partly cause there's been the motivations have been so strange, you know, in games up until now. So I'm curious now that every team is, has the utmost motivation, um, you know, is, is that quality from the top teams going to shine through more, right? I'm, I'm very curious to see more broadly across the league, you know, how, you know, are these series going to be demonstrably more even or not? Or what's the dynamic going to be like? So, um, yeah, playoff basketball. That's what we've been waiting for and glad to have it uh, almost here. So shout out to Brian Kurth, who tweeted at both of us, Frank, earlier. We're going to talk about this a little bit tomorrow because uh, the reality is by the time Tuesday's pod comes out, there's only a few hours before game one. So we'll give a bit of an update to where everything is. I know a lot of the listeners listen in the morning anyway, so they will catch it. But we're going to look at some of the other series in the East. Brian asked, what first round non-Bucks series are you most interested in? I really like the Celtic Sixers series. Uh, lost some luster with Simmons going out, but still high stakes. So uh, I, I kind of agree. And we're going to look into this a little bit closer uh, on tomorrow's pod, as I said. But before we leave, Frank, what series are you most interested in watching? For me, it is Celtic Sixers. Uh, I think the Sixers are in such a, a strange situation where they potentially might have to blow the whole thing up in a weird playoff setting without Ben Simmons. It's going to be strange, but also I'm not ruling the, the Sixers out. I'm not saying this is going to be a sweep. I can still see Joel Embiid getting a hold of the little Celtics, the little Celtics fellas and going off for 40 plus in a couple of games and stealing a game or two here. Yeah, I, I I think I'd probably also lean that direction. I mean, the only other obvious one is the four or five. Um, although mm. I think if Sabonis was was healthy, yeah. I'd probably feel more interested in that series. But um, you know, that series is the only one where the lower seeded team has the best player in the series. Yeah. Um, and so I think you know when you had Seth Partner on, you know, Seth talked about why this was before the Simmons injury. Why you know uh, 
Philly was still the most interesting uh, threat to the Bucks for him because, um, you know, I think the way he turned it right, he uh, Embiid has that that equity that that he could be that best player in a series, even against Giannis. Uh, and certainly if the bar is, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker, um, you know, I think you'd expect him to, Joel Embiid to be the best player in that series. So uh, typically that's obviously a very good thing to have in, in a playoff series to have the best player. Um, and I think interestingly, um, you know, the, the dynamic with, without Simmons you know, obviously, look, they're, they're always going to be better at having Simmons, uh, especially, I think, in that matchup defensively, um, you know, him being able to defend either Brown or Tatum or Hayward at all times. I mean, I think he's obviously a terrific weapon to have. But that said, um, offensively, uh, being able to put shooters on the floor with Embiid, uh, you know, there's no ambiguity about what they're going to be doing offensively against the Celtics, right? It's going to be Embiid. Uh, you know, first, second, and third, and around him is just going to be, you know, more shooting than he normally would have if Simmons was healthy. So, yeah, I think uh, they they certainly have a chance. I, I don't think many people are probably going to favor them, just given they've been so inconsistent anyway. Um, but uh, they're going to need, obviously, a lot of Embiid. Maybe maybe uh, Al Horford gets rejuvenated a little bit playing against his whole team. We'll, we'll see. That should be interesting. Um, but uh, but yeah, it should be. I think that's probably the most fun matchup that I see as well. Yeah, I think it's it's really fascinating from a Bucks point of view. I mean, we hope that we cruise through the series against Orlando, but keeping an eye on everything else that's going on and potential matchups is going to be a lot of fun. I think there'll be a lot of Bucks fans out there hoping that the Pacers give the Heat a good old scare in that series as well. But yeah, we'll look at this a little bit more tomorrow. Uh, like I said, Tuesday afternoon. Tuesday afternoon, it all gets started. So we'll have one more pod before then. But Frank, appreciate you jumping on on a Sunday night. We thank everyone for listening. We'll speak to you guys tomorrow.